Blog Talk Radio. Another episode of Two Lit Tuesdays right here on Indie Fire with your girl Nakia. How you guys been? Like when's the last time I talked to you? Thursday? So much has transpired since Thursday. I'm 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 gonna run you down really quick, you know, because I know a lot of you follow me on social media and a lot of you reached out to me today, like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? What do you talk about? Who you about to fight? You know what I'm saying? So let me tell y'all what's been going on. All right, so you know. Thursday on the show, we had Latin film maker, director, uh, visual artist, Emmanuel Osorio on the show. Uh, make sure that you, you know, keep in contact with him, stay in the know as to what he's doing, um, and be prepared for the release of Blase L.A., all right? Um, but we had him on the show Thursday, and I told you guys that, you know, we were traveling on Friday to take my daughter to school to get her moved into her dorm. Like, she doesn't move in until two weeks from now, but just, you know, to get all of her um, stuff, belongings, moved into the dorm, right? So uh, we needed to go. We left something home. We needed to go to Target and get the item that we needed, right? So we were walking into the store, and this white man, um, we saw him, you know, he was coming towards us, and he just happened to look at me and roll his eyes, you know, look me up and down, roll his eyes, and, you know, proceed to walk on. And I'm thinking, like, what? You know, what What was that all about? So I turn around to, like, you know, like, do a double take. Like, what was that all about? So I turn around, and he's shaking his head, you know, and throwing his hands up in the air. So I'm thinking, what? Really? What just happened, you know? So I'm asking my daughter, like, what is the problem? You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of people, they feel some type of way when you're not wearing the mask outside, when you're wearing the mask inside. You know what I'm saying? They just feel some type of way about the mask. And I thought, but hold up. You, you don't have no mask on. I wasn't wearing my mask. I'm not going to put it on until I get in the store, which is required. You know what I'm saying? So what could possibly be the issue, you know? And um, anyway, me and this gentleman commenced to going back and forth, right, because I really want to know what the problem is. What are you looking at? Why are you staring at me like this? Why are you rolling your eyes? Why are you shaking your head? What is the problem? You know, so um, it, you ever been so angry that you see blood? Like, you don't even see the person no more. You don't even hear what they're saying. You just see blood. Oh, my gosh, guys, I was like that. I felt that way since, like, high school. I was like, what? You know, maybe it's the heat or whatever. But um, I snapped out of that when he really, he just went off. Like, you know, like, F you and and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm for real. I'm really about to go drag this man's ass. 
ass is what I'm saying to myself, right? I must have said it out loud, too, because my daughter grabbed me. And, yo, I don't ever want to square up with her because her strength, I swear, this was fighting. My chest still hurts from how that girl grabbed me because she was like, no, mom, no, mom, you know what I'm saying, no, mom. Granted, dude was not trying to step to me either because um, I guess he felt like, uh, okay, this little short chick, you know what I'm saying, she bowed it. But anyway, he went on about his business, and I went in the store, did my shopping, but I still didn't feel, I didn't feel safe going out to the parking lot because I knew he was parked like two spots from me, and I didn't know whether he left or whatever. So, you know, one of the black associates walked me outside. He walked me to the car, and he's like, you know, is he still here? Funny enough, he was. He was still in the parking lot. He moved. He moved the road behind me and catacorner, you know, he parked catacorner, but he was still there. So I don't know what his intentions could have possibly been um, after that or, or, you know, altercation or whatever, but for him to still be in the parking lot kind of made me think, you know, like, Hmm. Right. And so um, I had to I had to pray about it because I had to go right back to the dorm and meet up with my mom. And y'all know she's a minister. And so I had to pray about it. I had to step back into my religion because I had to step out for a minute and step back into my religion and, you know, just get myself together and, and just pray about that thing. And then, man, if the same thing didn't happen again today with the white lady, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was just like, yo, she was screaming at me and hollering at me and, you know, luckily it was over the phone, for real. Luckily it was over the phone, and she's quite a ways from where I am because I would have rolled up all her place of employment, you know what I'm saying? So, so much is just going on, you know, um, that's, not, that's not good. You, you don't want to surround yourself with all this negativity. You don't, you don't want that type of energy, you know, and as hard as you try to stay away from it, there's always someone that's going to push your buttons and keep you or think that they're keeping you right where they want you. Um, so I'm saying all that to say, you know, with everything that's going on right now in the world, guys, stay prayed up, all right? Stay prayed up. Don't allow um, anyone to take you out of character, to pull you out of, you know, that element that you're in. Um, and that takes a lot of prayer. You hear what I'm saying? A lot of prayer. Um, so I, I had to go to the Lord on her as well. Like maybe I should pray my way through those situations, and then I wouldn't have to go through them situations, you know, I don't know, I don't know, we're going to work out another scenario so that I'm not popping off on everybody and, and about to catch a case, <laughs> all right, y'all make sure that you're also keeping uh, those students that are returning back to school, keep them in your prayers as well, um, I just read an article right before the show, you know, um, the adults are so busy trying to get kids back in school, but you're not taking into consideration that you have kids who are afraid they are scared to go back to school. So not only do you have to deal with um, their their safety, you know, and their health and, and all of that, but you also have to deal with anxiety and fear that children are going through right now. And a lot of people just not taking that into consideration, you know. Um, so just continue to keep those that are going back to school in your prayers, those that are doing, you know, half and half. Um, the virtual, uh, the other half at school, they still got to travel to school. They still got to be in the classes. You know, keep them in your prayers as well. Keep the staff, administration, you know, the faculty in your prayers as well. Because as we talked about it last week, you know, you have teachers that are preparing. They miss their kids because they've been away from them, you know, maybe since March, April, May of this year, maybe seeing them, you know, um, virtually. But they've been away from the classroom setting that they love so much. But now they also have to worry about, you know, um, contracting something 
or, or the virus, I should say, um, taking it back to their own family. You know what I'm saying? So you got teachers out there that not only are they preparing lesson plans, but they're preparing their wills as well. And it just it just shouldn't be that way. You know what I'm saying? Granted, yes, you have the will, but, you know, not having to prepare one just to go to school, just to teach because of the uncertainties, the unknown, you know, what's going to happen. That's just – so, yeah, keep all of them, you know, in your thoughts and prayers. Keep our, our leaders of the nation in your prayers as well as they're making these um, – I almost said mistakes, is they're making these judgment calls um, as far as, you know, kids returning to school um, on every level, you know, from, from K-12 on up to college students. You know, keep them all in your thoughts and prayers. All right? Make sure you're right back here on Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we will have the uh, multi-best-selling um, award-winning, yeah, award-winning author uh, Chanel will be back here with us again. Um, and I say again because we had her on in March. We had her on in March, and then we had her last July. I think July is her year. But um, we'll welcome her back on Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right? So excited to present to you my guest for this evening, uh, best-selling author and writer, Shanika Roach. Um, she's always been an avid reader and had dreams of being a writer. That dream came true when she signed with Anointed Inspiration Publishing in 2016. Her debut novel, Broken Relationships, reached number one on the Amazon charts in the African-American Christian fiction category on its release day. Hold on. Let me read that again because I didn't read that right when I read her bio last month. All right. So her debut novel, Broken Relationships, reached number one on the Amazon charts in the African-American Christian fiction category on its release day, guys. The release day, that's what I'm talking about. From then on, she continued to write edgy Christian fiction novels that teach valuable lessons all about life and consequences. She was nominated for an Author Academy Award in 2019. Her nominated novel, The House Always Wins, a price, a high price to pay, made it to the top 10 finalists in the general fiction category. She is currently the author of 11 novels, including a collaboration and an anthology. Indie Fire listening audience, I present to you this evening my very, very special guest, best-selling author, Shanika Roach. Hello, everyone. <laughs> hey, girl. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. Um, I want to extend publicly my thank yous to you. You could have been anywhere this evening, but you are here spending time with me and my listening audience, sharing all about why it is that you do what you do and why you remain so passionate in doing those things. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I want to jump right into to this. You know what, I'm going to back up just a moment because I was talking about um, the kids returning to school and, you know, college, me taking my daughter to college or whatever. And so before I forget, now I'm going to tell you what it is that I was going to tell you before. So when, when Janika called in, I recognized this area code. I recognized it for many reasons, but I recognized the area code, and I was like, do you know where you stay at? So she told me where she stays at. Which which big university is in your city? ECU, East Carolina University. That's where my daughter goes to school. Okay. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to be okay. calling you like, hey, can you run by in and take that case of water right quick for me? <laughs> Yo, can you meet her on the curb with some chips or something? 
Oh, that's that's awesome right there. And then my grandparents, my grandparents and my mom now stay in New Bern, so they like an hour away. So I know yeah. all about Greenville. Um, as a matter of fact, my mother went to ECU as well in the 70s, and it's the funny thing about it, this is my daughter's sophomore year, and she had a nice dorm last year. You know, we was we was in luxury last year. This year, we got the, I mean, we scraping the barrel. We at the bottom. My mom walked in on Friday, and she was like, oh, my gosh, like, this looks the same as when I, she's telling everybody, this looks the same as when I stayed here in 1970. Well, that ain't saying a lot because it's 2020, and the dorm hasn't changed that much. It's the second oldest residence hall on the campus, and it's, it's, it's awful. It really is. It's awful. We're trying to get up out of there. Anyway, enough about me and mine and ours. Um, when did you first realize that you wanted to become a writer? As a kid, I used to read all the time. I loved reading. I was like, I would like to write a book one day. So it's it always been a dream of mine. So, um, I'm sorry, I, I got guard. Um, so did you start, like, I know a lot of the authors, female authors that I've had on the show, they started, um, like, in, in junior high and high school. They used to pass around a journal. And, you know, like, I would write, like, a couple paragraphs or a page, then I would pass it to the next person, and then they would write a little bit, and then I'd pass it to the next person, they would write a little bit. And after, like, three or four days, we had you know, like 20 good pages, and then we would let our classmates read it. Did you do anything like that growing up? No, no, I didn't. I remember trying to write one when I was about 11 years old. But it didn't work? About halfway through it. (laughs) Yeah, I got about halfway through it, and, you know, I stopped. (laughs) What was an early experience for you um, when you realized that Language had power. Language had power. Well, as I hear a lot of people after they read books, how they say, like, books change or help them with their life. I know I have read books that help me, or, or they talk about something that you're going through at the time, and it just makes you feel better. That's an awesome response. I normally ask my authors that question, and and I get um, responses that are, they're, you know, they're pertinent to their lives as an author. Like, you know, one day I was sitting home, and and I was writing, and my goal that day was 5,000 words. And, you know, um, as I begin to write, like the words begin to just, or, I, I you know, they poured a different meaning into me and all kinds of reasons like that. But, that I think that's the best answer or the best response that I've heard um, because, you know, as you stated, people do. They, they read and they say, you know, wow, this book was life-changing. This book changed my life. You know, I can do things a little differently now um, because of the words that I read. And, uh, and, and, and reading, you know, especially with Christian fiction, um, I, I haven't had the opportunity to read what the – the anthology, I do have that, just haven't read it yet. But um, a lot of Christian fiction authors, there's always some type of, even though uh, the novel may be, you know, so relatable because 
we as Christians, you know, we're not perfect. We still live, you know, the way we live our lives. Um, And that um, can combine so, so many things. Um, But most of our Christian fiction authors, they always input some scripture, some, um, you know, relation to the Bible, some scenario that relates to the Bible. And and just from being able to connect those words, the words on the page the author wrote, and combine those with, you know, a scripture or um, that scenario from the Bible, that can influence an individual in so many, you know, different ways. You can say the cat ran across the road, you know what I'm saying? But um, if the cat ran across the road, he might have been fearful that he was going to get hit. But you know, remember that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know what I'm saying? How how you throw in a Bible verse or you throw in something that um, has multiple meanings, um, it can just affect the person in a totally different way. So that response right there, I got to say, is like the best that I've heard um, to that question. Speaking of, of being a Christian fiction author, is that the only genre that you write? Do you write just fiction? Do you write Christian fiction? Do you write them both? Do you... Um, branch out into other genres. What what area do you stay in? So far, has been Christian fiction, but in the future, I'm gonna um, write for women's fiction, women's fiction category. Okay, I don't think I've heard anyone um, dive into that at all. What do you want to focus on? One area, one topic. Um, like, where do you want to go with that? I say women's fiction because I think that most of the, the stories that I have been thinking about, that mostly women, they probably relate to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, okay, okay. Okay, I get it. I get it. I understand. So I was thinking more like women, um, and this still may be on the same path, I was thinking more like how um the political system may affect women or how injustices of the world may affect women, um, you know, specific topics like, you know, women mm-hmm. dealing with sexual abuse and sexual assault. That's that right. women's fiction. Oh, um, well, yes. It, it'll be a lot of different topics. Okay. All right. Um, when it comes to, to Christian fiction, for you, do you view your writing as? I know a lot of people, a lot of authors. You know, they write to release tension. They write to release stress. You know, writing is therapeutic for them. Um, but I, to me, I think a Christian author um, writes from a different place. And even though right. you know, like the bio states they're a little, a little edgy. You know, um, I've read some that have been hilarious. You know, again, they, they talk about things that we all go through um, in the in the world, um, in everyday lives, you know what I'm saying? But they still, again, bring you back to the core purpose of of the book, to be able to teach and, and um, restore and, you know, bless um, the reader. But for you, um, do you view writing as a spiritual practice? Well, when I write, I first think that what are people going to get out of the story or what can I teach people 
or getting them to learn from. That's where I start first. Like, this would be a good lesson for people to learn. Like, I try to show them if they do certain things. It's basically about consequences. A lot of my books okay. show about okay. consequences. And, and when I get reviews, I think they get that. Speaking of reviews, um, you know, everybody would hope that every review that they receive would be a positive one, five star. Um, but what do you do when you get a negative review? How does that affect you? Do you learn from it? Do you take constructive criticism well? Do you lash out? Do you be like, nah, they're not talking about my book? You know what I'm saying? What What, what do you go through when you receive the negative review? No, when I look at it, I take it as constructive, like, okay, you know. Okay, well, I see, sometimes I, you know, I'm like, okay, I see what they mean by this, or sometimes they'll take things a different way, or I would, or they wish you had done this or something. But I never get mad. It's just like, okay, I'll learn from it. But some reviews you can tell, you know, sometimes people just, their reviews is like, okay. <laughs> they just put a bunch of negative stuff that you think, like, I don't think this, this is coming from a different place. But I can tell someone really just, they're really stating their opinion. But I just learn from it. You know, a lot of authors may get mad, but I don't. Okay. So in Christian fiction, how do you balance keeping the message strong while also um, wanting to reach readers that are beyond, you know, like the Christian bookstores or, you know, um, readers that are in the church? How do you balance the two? Right. That's why I keep it edgy and interesting. You know, you have people, it's Christian fiction, but you have people that are not saved or people that are saved. You show the, the flaws that they have. Uh-huh. And you, you don't want to be too... Right, right, right. Right, yeah. Why did you choose to go into this genre? Well, I'm a Christian myself, so, you know, when I chose to write, I say, you know, I want to honor God in my writing. Okay. Do you find that, I don't know if you've written anything besides Christian fiction, but do you find that, I know I had an author on the show that said, you know, when she first started writing, she was just writing regular fiction, and her fiction was raunchy. It was just, you know, she was out the gate with everything that she had to say, and then um, a transition came um, in her life, and she actually became a pastor. Um, And her writing changed, her mindset changed, which changed her writing. So if you've ever written anything outside of Christian fiction and then jumped into Christian fiction, did you experience that? Like you, like God now says, okay, you're writing um, with a different purpose now. Um, and, and did you find that words started to just flow more freely? Because uh, you weren't bound by so many stereotypical things that go on in the world, right. but you could just speak right from, you know, a different place uh, when you write right. 
Did you experience any of that? Well, when I, I was already saved, you know, well, a Christian before I, I started writing, so that's automatically what I wanted to write. Okay. All right, so now where does, I guess, the edginess, where does that where does that come in at? Okay, the edginess. Okay, I don't know, like for the don't read Christian fiction. I don't know what their idea of a Christian fiction novel will be, but it's it's a lot of things that happen in the books that. I don't know, like, what people's perception is of it, but. I just remember when I first started reading Christian fiction novels, I don't know, probably 15, 15, 10, 10, 15 years ago, when I first started reading them, it seems like um, you had those Christians who I want to write and I want to tell a story and, this is how it's going to be. You know, it was very um, going to church, do the altar call, right. this, yeah, this, you know what I'm saying, right. take up the collection, yeah, the preacher preach, go out the door. That's how books were like 10, 15 years ago. Everything was straight to the point. Right. And but, so I can, yeah. when you made that statement, like you don't know what people's perspective or perception is, mine back then was like, all right, so I'm going to read, I'm a Christian. Let me read these books. Let me get out of like Zane and stuff. Let me read, you know, some whole wholesome Christian like, novels. But they just weren't doing it for me. You know what I'm saying? They weren't doing it because I felt like people were doing too much. They were camouflaging um, the lives of Christians. Right. Again, we as Christians are not perfect. You know what I'm saying? We go through right. the same That's stuff that. Yes. All right. So it was like later when I got into, I stopped reading Christian fiction for a while. And then it's like a new wave of authors came through, and they were bringing uh, so much realness, you know, so much um, that we go through. Um, you know, people are always going to be hush-hush about divorces and stuff like that. And you got Christian um, fiction authors that are talking about, you know, the pastor divorcing. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it real because this stuff right. doesn't go on. You know, there's no need yeah. to, like, try to brush it up under the rug. This really goes on. So I just wanted to hear your explanation of of edgy, but yeah, I, I completely um I like what's going on now. You know what I'm saying? Because again, mm-hmm. you can still get, you can read, um you can read it without all the curse words. You can um, right. enjoy the novel, um and you can also you can be blessed um from what you're reading because the author is also teaching while they're writing, um and. Uh, the things that you are able to take from what they, I want to say minister to you, you know, even though you're, you're an author, but you're also, that's your ministry as well. So you can take from what they're giving you and make that applicable to your lives because it's just not about um, the words in the page. You know what I'm saying? Uh, those words have to have meaning. And uh, I think with Christian fiction authors, you find, you find that, uh, the bulk of what's being expressed is 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 what you can make applicable to all parts of everyone's lives. So I enjoy Christian fiction. I do. Um, when you sit down to write a story, do you have any idea of how it's going to end? Do you have an outline? 
Sometimes no, do you just write off the top of your head? Okay, when I get the idea, I write outlines from things that I know that is going to happen in the book. But a lot of times I don't know how it's going to end yet. And, and that makes it fun figuring as you write, it comes to you and figuring out what's because the characters take over and they tell you what they want to do. Sometimes I think it's going to go this way, but as you write and the character takes you in another direction, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I get a review and the readers loved it. And I was like, okay, I didn't even know if that was going to work, but that's the direction that the character <laughs> took me. Yeah, because yeah, I loved it. I'm like, okay, I was a little nervous about that, but I'm glad they liked it. <laughs> They're just tuning in. You are live right here on Two Lit Tuesdays on Indie Fire with your girl, Nakia, and my very special guest, best-selling author, Shanika Roach. When we come back, we're going to talk about those characters that you are writing about. This right here is Stephanie Janot with Love No Limits.
just tuning in. You're live right here on Two Lit Tuesdays on Indie Fire with your girl Nakia and my guest, best-selling author Shanika Roach. That right there was New York's very own Stephanie Janot with Love No Limits. Okay, so we were talking about your characters before we went to break. Um, when it comes to writing um, about characters from the opposite sex, do you find that difficult to do? No. But do you use um, conversations from maybe uncles or, or friends who are males or, you know, your spouse if you have one? Um, like, yeah. How do you gather? Do you do research? You know, how do you gather the information um, to be able to write from the male point of view? Well, sometimes you can use research, but it's all about, like, the people you know. Like you said, it could be uncles or cousins, family members, you know, guys that you know of conversations that you heard. So that's why it wasn't too hard to write from a male perspective. Writers are often encouraged to write about um, what they know. But how has your real-life experiences impacted the type of stories that you write? Actually, most of us, I write. Yeah, you can't write about what you know, but a lot of times I like to write about people that are different from me, and I research it, and it's fun. You can write what you know, but writing about things that are different or that you haven't experienced before can be fun, too. But you just got to make sure you do the research so you can know what you're talking about. What's one thing in writing um, that you've done that you thought that you would never do? Okay, one thing in writing well, you know, I never thought that I would do a collaboration. And that doing that collaboration, it, I learned a lot from it. Because, you know, it's not easy. It was a fun experience, but... It wasn't easy. And I noticed that is something that a lot of um, publishing companies, a lot of authors are jumping on right now is um, collaboration. Um, The opportunity to get more authors out, um, their writing styles out, all in one book. Um, You know, if, if the book... It becomes a bestseller. Um, all of these authors can take, you know, the honor in knowing that they have written this this best-selling book. As you know, you yourself um, may just yeah. write a. Well, I won't even use you as, as an example. Another author who just wrote a novel that was solely them. You know, they may not do as well. Um, the the ability to include other people in a novel, I think, just um, it, it heightens um, the potential, you know, of the book because you get so many different diverse aspects 
even though you all know what you're supposed to be writing about, you get um, the point of view from from a different, you know, um, aspect for each author. So we're talking about the collaboration that you did with Chanel and somebody else, right? Tammy Cross. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. What What is that? Um, give me the name of that book and or give the listening audience the name of that book and tell what it's all about. It's called Man of My Nightmares, and it's about three college, young college women who fall for, fall for a charming guy. The same yeah. guy. <laughs> the same, yes, yes, yes. It's the same <laughs> the guy. The same guy. <laughs> they don't know it's the same guy because. Right. You know. <laughs> and he's not so charming. <laughs> when they, you know, when once they find out who he really is, it's too late and they're going through a whole lot. I don't want to get so away how- too much because I don't want, you know. Someone wants to read it, I don't want to give away too much. Right, and I mentioned so, yes, earlier that I had the anthology, and it's not, I have the collaboration is what I have. And normally when I sit down, um, I have to read books on Kindle. Because if I have to read the book where I have to, you know, paperback, hardcover, where i got to turn pages, that puts me to sleep. But as long as I'm always used to having a device in my hands, in front of my face, so that can keep me, you know, occupied, and I can read a book in a night that way when I'm not, you know, too busy. So I do now remember starting the book. I remember starting it now. Um, so when it came to uh, writing this book, did you all say, you know, um, Shanika, I'm going to take this character and and or this charming young man and then make my female character, and this is the storyline behind her and him? And then Tammy say the same thing, and Chanel say the same thing. Like, how did you go about um, creating the book so that it all flows together? Um, like, yeah. you know, I've seen right. I've seen books where I'm gonna write. This is the topic right here. The topic is depression, and we're all gonna talk about right. what we've gone through facing depression. But nobody's story blends in with the next person's story. So, what did you, or how did you all decide that? You know, um, I'm gonna do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then we're all going to blend it together. How did you decide that? Right. This is the way it was. The male character was already decided, and then you do three female characters. Each one of us create our own female character, and we share the male character, and that's how we blend it ah, together. Okay. You, you have to keep the male, that's what, like, the female, you have control over, you know, the female their personality, what they do, but you know the male character. We can all decide what he does, but we, you know, you have to make it consistent. As long as we keep them the same, you know, then you can tell like she acts one way, and then the next chapter, like what? You know, and right. it has to make sense. And that's right. how we did it, and and then it it all blended together. You know what? You know, you get a hold on how to write for the male character. That that was the challenge because the female was ours. But the male mm-hmm. had to stay consistent throughout the whole book. So how did um, – I know I, I asked a, a, sort of the same question to my artist, 
you know, we, we always talk about the importance of growth. And if you're not seeing growth in yourself, then, you know, you may need to rethink what it is that you claim that you're passionate about because in each thing that you do, in each track that you put out, in each EP that you put out, you know, in each album that you produce, um, you should be able to see growth. My 2018 should not sound like my 2020. You know what I'm saying? You should be able to see growth in everything that you do. So from when you first published your first book to now publishing, um, your bio says over 11 novels. So let's say your 11th novel. From your first to your 11th, um, how has your writing style changed? I've learned to add a few. Well, all my books have, you have to have that element of surprise in all your books, but I think I'm getting even better at the element of surprise in your books, in my books. You have to have that, you know, when you read a story or watch a movie, it's always better if you have some unexpected thing <laughs> that happens. Right, right. <laughs> keep it right. interesting. All my books have that, but I'm getting even better at doing that. So as as and you know, as a creative, um, sometimes we can surprise ourselves by what we do by what we're capable of doing, by, you know, staying up an extra hour. Last night I was able to complete blank or, you know, just by locking away my devices, you know, I was able to complete blank. Um, But what's one of the most surprising discoveries for you in creating your books? Surprise and discovery. Mm-hmm. I got to think about that one. <laughs> All right, so we're we're gonna come back um, to that question. So think about think about your answer. You know, in in every industry, there's some crooked people in every industry. Uh, we all want to believe that everybody has, you know, some good in them, that everybody's intentions are always going to be good, but there's always going to be those people who are are not out for good. What's the most unethical practice in the publishing industry that you have seen? I have seen, well, I think I've, I've had a good experience, but I've Rarely seen people talk about their experiences. I'm just glad I never had the experience that, or a lot of people talk about sometimes their work being stolen, or or they're not getting paid properly. And I can't imagine that having something you work hard for, and you see someone else trying to use it. Right. Or you're not getting paid have you the been, money you deserve. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. That's right. good that you have not had to experience any of that. 
um, because most, I'm going to say 98% of the authors that have been on the show have um, experienced it firsthand, um, either with the shady publishing company, you know what I'm saying, somebody trying to get the rights to their manuscripts, you know, there's been so many different scenarios um, that I've heard. Have you been with Anointed Inspiration Publishing uh, your entire time? Yes, I'm actually just signed with a new publisher, Major Key Publishing, two weeks ago. And I'll have a okay. new book coming out soon. But, yes, I have been with them since I started in 2016 up until about a few weeks ago. Okay. So with the new publishing company and the new book that's coming out, can you talk about that book any? Can we just get some hints? You know, you got a title for the yes. book, you got a release date, anything? Yes. I don't have the release date yet, but the title is When the Mighty Falls. And it's about um, a man that's running for governor. And his wife is a news anchor. And between him, he's trying to run a clean campaign, but he'll learn that when you're in politics, you know, sometimes you have to get your hands dirty. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's going to be hard for him to keep his values. And he has his father grooming him. But some of his his father's values aren't good. So his wife, her work and his schedule, they clash because she's a news anchor, so she wants to report every story that she wants. But mm-hmm. some of them can hurt his campaign and Basically, he changed into someone that she doesn't recognize, and and she just say, okay, you know, you see you have all this power. He, he see that he's becoming governor, something he always wanted, and suddenly now he thinks he can behave the way he wants. And his wife, she, she don't know how much she can take, so <laughs> they have to do something about it. That's what I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Calls. Yeah, she may have to do something about it, so that's the gist of it. Okay, but no, no release. Not yet, but it's soon. So it'll be this year. Yeah, so definitely this year. Okay, all right, guys. When the money falls, um, by best-selling author Shanika Roach, y'all be on the lookout for that. Um, to be released sometime this year. She just gave you a short synopsis of the story. I think I want to read that. Um, see, that's my problem. I have so many authors on the show. They have so many great books um, from what they're on the show promoting to what they previously written, and I feel like I need to just read them all. And so, uh, But the way my schedules are set up, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't. And I used to read all the time. I love to read. I love to write. Um, but I just can't anymore. I don't know if you know. Do you know Fred Beatty? Um, Say that name again. Fred Beatty? No. All right, so Fred's an author. He's from um, Tampa, Florida. And we were talking earlier today, and he was just saying, like I I said earlier, you know, before work even started, I'm ready to go. Like I don't even want to be here. Work hadn't even started yet, but I won't want to be here. You know, and so he he responded. He was like, um, I feel you. Like, I, I want to be any place but work. Like, I want to be somewhere writing, um, perfecting my craft, you know what I'm saying, pushing my books, 
And I'm like, yeah, you know, that if that were the, the ideal life, you know what I'm saying, where I could sit down and finally release all of these books that are, you know, stored in me, but I don't have enough time, you know. And, and sure. <laughs> I'm not knocking nobody um, at all uh, who may be furloughed, who may have lost their job, who may be part-time hours, you know what I'm saying, whatever the case may be that you aren't at full capacity working now, but you've had so much time to expand on everything that you ever wanted to do. You know, so much free time. Again, talking about that growth again, um, this has been the perfect opportunity last four months for you to, if you have a book in your head, you know, if your creative juices should be going wild right now. And I'm envious, you know, and I know the Bible says, you know, you shouldn't be, but I'm envious. <laughs> of these individuals because you have all this time. And here I am. I have worked. My hours got cut for two weeks um, when the pandemic first started. And other than that, I've worked every day, you know what I'm saying, 40, 50 hours a week. And I want that time to just be able to find myself on a couch um, with a glass of wine and a notebook and several pens so I could just write as freely as I want to. Um, but I feel like my day is coming, and maybe this time next year, but it's it's going to come. It's going to come. So I'm going to go back to that question I asked you about uh, what's the most surprising discovery that you have found in your writing. Okay. Well, I can tell you that I think I can tackle just about any subject that – I think about writing about. Sometimes you just, it's certain topics or things that you think, I, I can't write about it. But I discovered that with research and focus, you'll be surprised at what ideas that you're able to get down and complete. You just have to believe in yourself because mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. some of the books I say, I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, or I think, hey, I get excited when I start writing. I'm like, I don't. Ooh, can I really finish this? But then if you, you have to be, like, you know, you pump yourself, like, I don't actually do it. You had been, and you start, like, wait a minute, did I get this? Right. But no, you just have to stay focused, and I can do it. I'm like, I can do this. Like, you know, the book's complete, and then I see the reviews, and I'm like, and they like this. So I'm like, okay. So that's what I'm just telling writers, just don't be afraid of whatever you're led to write, just write about it. Because sometimes I say, I don't know how they're going to react to this. This is a Christian book, like I said, the edgy stuff. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know how they're going to react to this. But they, I have to tell the story this way. And they like it. So just stay true to yourself. And saying that right there, you you don't know how they're going to like it or how they're going to receive it because, you know, it is one Christian fiction and then it's uh, Christian fiction that is um, a little edgy, just a little rough around the edges, you know. Um, Why do you feel that so many readers shy away from reading Christian fiction? Is it kind of like the scenario that I stated earlier where, you know, I was used to that cookie cutter um, novel? And right. not what I'm seeing now. 
you think that's why, you know, they're just like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'll stick with urban fiction, you know. I don't want no Christian fiction. You know, why do you think people just uh, say that? I think when they think Christian fiction, they may think boring. You know, a lot of times I say, no, this is, is it'll keep you interested. interested. You know, of course, it's clean, more explicit stuff, but it can still hold your attention. And you'll be surprised if you start reading, like, okay, I didn't know a Christian fiction novel can be like this. And, you know, I, I read a lot of Christian fiction before I started writing, and I'm like, okay, this, when I write Christian fiction, this is the way you do it. Because right, so, so people that, that don't normally read and, and fiction will read it. True. With what being put out now, not that stuff from 15 years ago. I don't want to read that no more. Um, now reverse yeah. that and and answer the question: Why do you feel like so many Christians will not support a Christian fiction author, especially the older generation? Like they may look at a cover and just be like, "Nah, I'm not. She need to cover right. up." You know what I'm saying? She don't know right. what she's about. You know what I'm saying? So why do you feel like so many Christians? Um, and I have, I talked to a lot of, a, a lot of Christian fiction authors who that is something that is, that discourages them and that gets them down is here I am, you know what I'm saying? I'm a Christian, um, I'm an author, and I've chosen this genre. I don't curse in my books, and even if I do, it may be, you know, a word here and there, um, but it's spoken, right. and even though I wrote it, it's spoken from the point of view of the character you know, they don't know what all has to go into you researching that character or whatever. Um, but they don't support authors who write Christian fiction. They'll go out and buy some Southern cooking, you know, book or whatever. But here you are having, mm-hmm. uh, here you are, and you have a Christian fiction author who's not only, again, I'm saying this again, not only just writing, um, but they're also able to, to share the message of God, somewhere throughout that book, they're able to share their teaching um, throughout that book. So why do you feel people sleep on Christian fiction? The Christian. They feel like it needs to be told a certain way. And like you said, the cover, you know, like they see the cover of it and you're like, okay, what, what is this? Or they start reading about certain things that I don't feel like a Christian author should be talking about, but yes, you have to, because sometimes a person doesn't start out as a Christian, and That's you right. need to show how they got there. And, That's you know, right. They, so they have to do things that are unchristian like. And that's how you bring the people that don't read Christian fiction. That's how you bring them over, because they need to see that something relatable like. You need to see that a Christian or a non-Christian trying to carry out a revenge plot like this, like what a Christian doing this? But <laughs> I like to show, I like to show why people do the things they do. Like when you see people do bad things, sometimes I like I write about stuff like that, and I show how do they get how they got to that point. Can you just see? And you something. A woman did you this. Did- what she despicable, but I showed you. Maybe yeah, she's still a bad person, but I'm going to show you 
all of the things and why she did that, what was her frame of mind, and maybe you can understand better. You you mentioned, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I know as Christians, you have to be able to reach people where they are. Um, and so sometimes that may be going out into the community, you know what I'm saying, um, speaking to non-believers, you know, um, going into homeless shelters, ministering to the homeless. You have to be able to reach people because as a Christian, that that's, um, that's a duty of yours to win souls for Christ. And so if you can do so in your books, um, if you can if you can reach somebody who may not have ever thought, I'm going to pick up this book because it's Christian fiction, but then they saw the cover and it was like, all right, you know, this seems like it's about to be about it. Then they start reading it and realize what type of book it is, but you're able to reach someone on a totally different level um, in your writing. I feel like you serve your purpose. You've done what you're supposed to do as a Christian. And I think Christians should, um, right. they should latch on to that. You know what I'm saying? They should not be so... Straight and narrow, you know. Every we we live by the words in the Bible, um, but then there's also, you know, life experiences that we've gone through that enable us or or able us to um, be able to tell a different story, um, provide a different testimony to other individuals. Uh, I'll say non-believers, um, and again, be able to win them for Christ. And I think that's just so important when it comes to Christian fiction novels um, because, again, that message that can be provided through the words, you know, to the reader, um, it, it's just so it's so valuable. Um, if you had the opportunity to tell an aspiring author right now, whether they chose Christian fiction, whether they chose sci-fi, whether they chose horror, but they, they're an aspiring artist, I'm sorry, an aspiring author, and, you know, they've listened to the show, they read your bio, you know, they may have even read or one of your best-selling books, and they say, hey, I could do this. I got what she got. You know what I'm saying? I can make this happen for right. myself as well. But they have a little bit of a fear factor. They don't know what they need to do. They don't know the first step that they need to take. What piece of advice could you offer to that aspiring artist, author? <laughs> first of all, whatever genres they choose, just make sure you're passionate about it. As long as you're passionate about it, you do well. Like, don't write whatever just because you feel like you should be writing. And if you don't know anything about it, then you have to research it. Buy books about, you know, how to write a book. If you don't, if you're not sure how well you write, then take some classes. But if you feel like you already have it, then just go the genre, try to write your book, and then you look up publishers and see what publishers fit your style of book and submit it. But you have to do your research. You have to know how to format the book and stuff. If you don't, a lot of people, well, some people say they want to write a book, but they don't know how. All you need is a book or look up online or talk to someone. If you know some people that you think would give you some advice about it, that would be good. That was great, great 
advice right there. I want to go ahead and open up the floor now to you, Shanika, so that you can get all of your contact information out on those who may be listening live, those who may come back and listen to one of the many, many, many playback shows. Um, if they want to contact you about purchasing books, um, I don't know if they want to give you some ideas about, you know, your next book, and whatever the case may be that they want to get in contact with you, the floor is now yours to get your contact information out. Okay, well, Facebook, you can reach me at Shanika Roach. I have two author pages, Shanika's World and Shanika's Books. Instagram, Shanika Roach. Twitter is at author Shanika. And you can reach me on any of those formats. Leave a message or if you have questions. Most of my books are on Amazon. If you just type in my name, then you'll see my list of books and my biography. I look forward to talking to anyone that has any questions for me. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much again for joining us this evening on this episode of Two Lit Tuesdays right here on Indie Fire. Make sure that you're right back here on Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with best-selling, multi-award-winning author Chanel. All right? Until then, you guys have an awesome night.